Welcome to the 14th episode of Faith, Hope, and Prosperity, hosted by Austin Green. In this episode, you'll hear from Trevor Farnes, CEO and co-founder of Mountain Ops, about the Book of Mormon and putting God first. We hope you enjoy this episode. In every episode, we interview prosperous members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The goal of the show is to encourage and inspire young adult members of the church. I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, Trevor, thank you so much for joining me today. Really a pleasure to have you here. I'm really excited to have you. So would you do us a a favor of introducing yourself? Where are you from? What do you do? All that stuff. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. It's an honor uh, to be on here. And I love what you're doing with your podcast. So my name is Trevor Farns um, from Farmington, Utah, and have a beautiful wife. We've been married for about 19 years now, just over 19 years. And we've got four children that span from the ages of 17 uh, down to nine, three girls and one boy. Um, and uh, that, that's my heart and soul right there. That's my main uh, uh, passion in life is just uh, being with my, my wife and kids. Um, but um, I'm also um, one of the co-founders and the CEO of a company called Mountain Ops that's in Fruit Heights, Utah. And we provide uh, nutritional and energy products, uh, mainly through the outdoor industry, hunting and just generalized outdoor enthusiasts that take our products to enjoy what they love doing in the mountains uh, longer and and uh, just being well um, as far as health and fitness goes in life as well. So, awesome, man! I uh, it's funny because I originally like heard of you through my roommate, who's a super outdoorsy guy. He was like, "Oh my gosh, you know who you could talk to? The Mountain Ops guy." And I was like, yeah, awesome. "I don't know who that is because I'm not a super outdoorsy guy." But um, yeah, a little bit, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> well, thanks, thanks to your roommate. Appreciate the connection yeah. there. So, are you? Fruit Heights, where is that for non-Utah people? Fruit Heights is just, um, yeah, where I live, Farmington is about 15, 20 minutes north of Salt Lake City. And then Fruit Heights yeah. is just adjacent to that, um, just on the mountainside gotcha. there. Yep. So we're in a beautiful uh, rock and timber building here, a building built into the mountain on mountain on mountain road. So you've got mountain ops built into the mountain on mountain road. And it, uh, it's an incredible place. We've got a, a gym that's open to the public for free. We've got um, a store that sells our product here and uh, we do a lot of community outreach and then our incredible team offices from here on a kind of a new hybrid schedule because of COVID we've, it was given the liberty to, to work either from here or from home. And, uh, but we all love gathering back here uh, once a week as a team to, to make sure that energy and excitement around what we're doing to transform lives um, occurs and that we all fill it together. So. Yeah, I, an open gym, a free gym, really. Yeah, it uh, it was definitely for the first couple years in here before COVID, um, we had a few hundred members and they'd come and sign a gym membership waiver and all that, get a key fob. It was a great way for us to introduce people in the community. Fruit Heights is a pretty small community, but we introduced the community to what we were doing here in this historic, it's a historic building that we've renovated. And so, you know, allowed them to come in and see what's, what's transpired. It used to, um, the building used to process cherries from all the cherry orchards around here. And on the outside, there's a 
plaque that says by their fruits you shall know them and so this was the cherry factory now it's the mountain ops headquarters where people can come and, and be coached on their health and wellness and so we've we love reaching out to the community and, and uh, just kind of building that that side of that business as well so no that's super cool i feel like a lot of the things that that i've heard you say so far and in like you know, I do a little bit of online stalking you before. Yeah. before I do this. So, <laughs> so I feel like a big focus for you is company culture. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit about your company culture and why that's been important and what the main things of that are? Yeah, yeah it's definitely been the, the driver for me. And it's what I'm most passionate about. People is people are my are my favorite thing. They, they in business, they, they can be the best thing and the hardest thing at this at sometimes, but uh, um, culture is definitely you know something that we focused on. And I just figured that if we have an opportunity to to build a culture from a, a set of core values and to be mission driven, then then why not? Life is so short. Um, I don't see mountain ops or business as life, but I see it as a huge asset um, in life and a resource in life to do good. And so we've built our culture around doing good and to establish that. You know, I, I, we created a, a set of core values and beliefs that really are the guardrails or help us in the decision-making process in business and in life. And um, we've formed a mission to go after with those guardrails as kind of uh, in place to help us to steer us toward that mission. And our mission is to improve the lives of individuals and families and everything that we do through the products we create, through the communities we build to help um, push those products. But it's a community that inspires people to live uh, in a mentality of conquering more in life, kind of a little bit more today or better today than yesterday, better tomorrow than today. And um, we do that within the walls of mountain ops first so that we can be impactful outside the walls of mountain ops. And so we believe you can't give what you don't have. So if we're to conquer more in life and if we're going to promote these, this mission and these core values, then we first have to be living it. And so as part of our culture here, we've got what we call our conquer more program every month. Um, you're assigned to a team member that holds you accountable to live um, our conquer more challenge, which is physical, spiritual, mental, and social, just like uh, the youth and children program of the church, just like Jesus Christ established and how he grew and and uh, developed. And um, we've been doing that for about six years now. And so our team comes into this uh, culture. Uh, they understand that we have a set of core values that kind of guide our decisions. And the number one core value there is recognizing God. And we stand boldly with that most, uh, you know, it's, it's very rare to find a company like that these days, but that's our number one, because we feel like this, uh, this journey of life and even this entrepreneurial journey in business has been guided by him. And uh, we've been brought together as individuals, as a team to really um, do a great work. And so we recognize that and we recognize the good and the gifts in each individual of the team and how that allows us to enhance the mission to improve lives. And so again, you know, the core values are hanging on our wall, but we definitely feel like they're engraved on the hearts of the individuals that, that work within these walls. And because of that, we can go out into the community and do do good. Um, there's a lot that we do in the community from, um, like you, like I told you with the gym, but more importantly, feeding the hungry and, and different aspects of, of just helping, um, individuals that are in need. Um, but it all stems from just having a strong culture and really those, those core values are, are principles that I was taught that you were taught, you know, as we grew up and the foundation that our parents helped build, uh, within our lives 
through the gospel and through the religious life. Man, oh, there are so many things right there that I want to talk about, and I'm going to try not to forget any of them. But <laughs> the, the first thing that really struck me was like, I feel like sometimes I look at a company and all, all companies kind of try to have their, you know, their culture, even if they're just selling like starbursts or something, right? They want to say like, oh, well, we've got this, this mission of, you know, making people's lives sweeter, right? But usually I look at those and I'm like, ah, you're just selling something like this is kind of crap. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about it, I feel different, which is kind of interesting. Like when you talk about it, I'm like, wow, you understand it. You're like everyone in your company understands it and your customers understand it. Like they know, hey, like this is what we stand for. This is the direction that we're we're moving in. This is these are our values, and it's not just like a, oh, this buy this like sketchy supplement. It's like, hey, like we care about people, right? Yeah. And so I really like that. I think that's and it's and it's important that you know we can talk about it. We do. We train on it weekly and monthly here at Mountain Ops. We have a core value we focus on for the month, and and we start as a team. We have a prayer the first Tuesday morning of the of the month, and then we present the core value for the month. We have a prayer every Tuesday and we remind the team of, hey, what the core value was, what the what the challenge was for the month and living that. Uh, what it all comes down to is the living it. Um, we can talk about it as much as possible and, and, and try to reinforce that, but it really won't create a connection with our community and, or even with each other um, until it's lived. And so more than talking about it, we just, we talk as a team that like, hey, we need to actually just practice what we preach and that message will be received louder and clearer by our audience than anything else. So if it's service is the core value for the month, then what are we doing to serve and go out of our way to do those little things that are impactful. And then our customers, they don't have to necessarily read it. When they do read it, they're like, yeah, that confirms what I just witnessed and experienced through Mountain Ops or through the individual that I was working with there. Um, and so having them experience that type of relationship with us is, is most important, so. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's what I'm talking about, right? Is you gotta, I don't know, it just seems like you're doing it right. You know what We're I mean? trying, we, we, you know, everyone's got, a, 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 everyone's got things to, to learn and grow, but we've, we definitely sure. have something very unique that it's, a, that's attracted a lot of in, incredible talent. And we have individuals here that their lives have truly been transformed um, uh, just by working here. And some of it's spiritual, some of it's physical, mental, social, um, but if you ask the secret sauce of our company, which is all the individuals, they've each gone through kind of their own transformation by conquering more through the program we've created um, that just leaves them wanting to pass that, um, that opportunity onto others. And that's powerful when you can unite a team in that common cause to improve lives. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful opportunity that you don't rarely, you, you just rarely find in a business setting. But like I said, I, I prefer with the little, the limited amount of time we have on this earth to make as, as much impact as possible. And when you try to segment life into work, home, family, church, all that, it, uh, it's hard to get to everything you'd like to. So what we've tried to do here is create an environment at Mountain Ops where we can get to a lot of what we'd like to do in the community through the business, through the resources that are created by the business. And uh, we, we can go home feeling very fulfilled um, in the responsibilities and the, the opportunities we're, we're executing on here at, at Mountain Ops. So 
Yeah, I really like that. One thing that kind of struck me that I'm really curious about. So how do you make God a like a core value and important thing in your business without like excluding people or anything like that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, people who don't can, feel that way. Yeah, it can, I guess at times it can be a touchy subject um, similar to politics or whatnot. And, um, and you do have to be careful, especially as the company grows, you, it gets more and more diverse and we have a diverse culture here as well. Not everyone's of the same faith. Um, but, uh, but we stand boldly by the principles that we have established this company on. And when somebody's interviewing to, to work here, we talk to them about those core values and they don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be completely aligned with how I think about recognizing God. Um, but they, but it, it's important that they at least recognize and appreciate what's, what's been established. Um, and we hire for culture first. Um, again, that's not, we don't hire for uh, religion. We hire for culture. Do you know, right. do you, and, and part of recognizing God can be recognizing good in others, you know, all, all gifts that uh, all good gifts come from God. And so most human beings can, can look at that and say, okay, I might not believe the same way as you, but I, I do recognize the gifts in others and, and how they contribute to a team. And I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that as my recognizing God, um, you know, but we do, we pray as the team. Um, we recognize his hand. We ask for his guidance. Uh, and we do that on a regular basis. Um, when it comes to Sunday worship, I, you know, I've tried to utilize what I was taught in my own life as a foundational principle that I've carried over into business. And so on, on Sundays, we don't, we don't work here. Um, but when we go to like a trade show and it, the Salt Lake, the Salt Palace down here in Salt Lake City, every year there's the, the big Hunt Expo, which brings in about 50,000 people. Mountain Ops is one of the anchor uh, vendors that's at that exhibitors. We have a hundred by 40 um, booth with a stage and performers and our, our celebrity ambassadors that stand up on the stage. And sometimes there's a two hour line to get to meet them to sign the autographs and our booth is just incredibly packed the entire time with energy and families that people of all ages that we kind of attract into this this energy and then on sunday you'll find a you'll find an empty booth um there's exhibitors there and this the expo is still open um but uh, mountain ops is is doing what we've decided to do which is to recognize god on that day to spend time with family, if that's how you spend your Sabbath, um, and um, to to observe that day as as a special day that we set apart. I once had somebody ask me, you know, I, I noticed you guys are closed down on Sunday. Isn't that a a risky thing for a business? And my immediate response was that the risk would be with my relationship with God, not with our opportunity for financial. Uh, blessings on on that day but uh, more important is my relationship with God so uh, we choose to observe that that Sabbath day and there's some reward to that it just even the fact that our our team gets to go home and spend time with family and have a day to rest and to clear their mind from uh, the workload that they experienced that week it's it's super important and that's rewarding and it's um, also has its financial benefits by giving that day of rest, but truly it's a day to recognize God. And that's, that's one of the ways we do that here at Mountain Ops. Wow. I really appreciate that. I, I feel like not 
it's hard to have that courage to do that because naturally people think, oh, that, that's a business risk. I don't know if I can take that, that risk, right? I might have to do that. But like you're doing it. You're proving that it's possible. You know, Chick-fil-A is doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is a great company. So, but, yeah, I mean, it did, yeah, it all comes down to, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't judge any for anyone for being there and sure. exhibiting and, and that's everyone's choice. And some people observe things a different way. That's just, it's how I was raised. And it's what I loved about the Sabbath day. It's actually how my parents met was, uh, through observance of the Sabbath day in Washington, DC. They, they, my mom was a flight stewardess. My dad was there going to school and, and instead of going on a tour when she was there on a layover, she decided to go to church and she found my, she found my dad there in church as well. And so it's just been something my parents have taught us and this, the blessings that come from it. And, um, and so it's just always been one thing I've focused on in life. And, and so I felt, you know, it'd be, a, it'd be a great way for me to express appreciation and gratitude to God for, um, for the life he gives to me and the blessings we receive from him is by honoring him on that day as, as much as we possibly can. Wow. That's really cool. And a good, a good transition too, because you are super interesting and your company is super interesting. And so I would love to just, I feel like I could, this, this is one of those episodes that could end up being like five hours long and it won't be, no <laughs> I'm not going to hold you here five hours, but, um, but it is, we have to move to like interesting stuff. Oh my gosh. I just hit my microphone. We have to move to interesting stuff. So I really want to know also about you personally, right? So how, how has your relationship with God developed over time and what has been key to that? What would you recommend for people to, hmm. to improve their relationship with God and Jesus Christ? Yeah, man, that, that could be a long conversation as well. But uh, <laughs> I, like I just mentioned about my parents, I, I have the most incredible parents. Um, they, they met in Washington, D.C. Uh, they were called back. We were, we were raised here in Utah, but they were called back, my father, to be a mission president in Washington, D.C., North Mission, right where they met. And I was able, I was a teenager at the time, was able to go on that mission with them. I'm the sixth of seven children. And all of them, all the children start with the letter T. And my mom set out to name us like in a specific way because our initials are TF. So there's Tim, Trisha, Tyler, Tammy, Tara, Trevor, Trent. And growing <laughs> up, we always timed each other. Our friends would always try to say it, but the initials meant that it was the family slogan, which was together forever. And that was the kind of environment that I grew up in where we had parents that focused on that. The families can be together forever. And that was a comforting thing for me because I was a child who grew up with a lot of anxieties, very homesick, separation anxiety, and that type of thing. So to understand that, um, you know, that that ultimate separation, maybe through death at a future, you know, was not, it was something that I knew there was a, a family I had that could be together forever. And my parents taught us that. But I remember as a young child, I mean, we did all the things that, that families do within the church with the family home evening and scripture study and that type of thing. But for whatever reason, the scriptures, the Book of Mormon just like spoke to me. And I remember the stories of Nephi and I remember my 
you know, memorizing my first scripture was third and eight, five, three, seven. I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. And I, I remember one day at the age of seven laying on my, on my living room floor and I was looking up at a picture of Christ and I was singing the scripture power song and in my head. And I told my mom, I want to get up and speak about this and just, and just yell it. And, and I don't know, that was the first time I remember feeling the power of the scriptures where at a young age, I was like, I want to share this. And, uh, and then, you know, growing up, I, um, I, we moved, actually moved to South Bend, Indiana when I was 14 or 15. And my dad took a job back there. So I started going to early morning seminary my freshman year. And it was a great experience. I woke up at five o'clock every morning, drove, you know, half an hour to sit on a living on a family room couch and try to stay awake for an hour. But my (laughs) beginning of my sophomore year of high school, uh, my seminary teacher who was a, you know, was called in our ward to have that calling. What an incredible sacrifice of time. Um, she challenged me that first day and and just said, Trevor, I want to challenge you to read the book of Mormon every day, um, this year. And, um, I want to promise you that if you'll do it, you'll receive some blessings. And so I, I accepted that challenge and I took it to heart and, you know, I'd read the scriptures throughout my life and, and had great parents who taught me. But for some reason, that challenge just stuck with me and I read every day. And when that year was up, I kept reading. And it's been over 25 years now. And that seminary teacher's challenge has stuck with me for 25 years. And it is a powerful experience to open up those scriptures every day. And I know that there's been protection, just like that primary children's song teaches us scripture power keeps me safe from sin. Uh, Scripture power is the power to win. It literally has been a, a powerful influence in my life um, where I've come to find out through, you know, praying and fasting that that book is true. And that feeling that I had as a seven-year-old boy to just want to share that um, became something that was important to me in life. And the scripture, Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, kind of became who I was in a, in a way. Um, I, I wasn't ashamed of it. There was moments where I was like, ah, oh, should I share this? Should I not? But like, I always tried to share anytime we moved from South Bend to DC or wherever we went, I would always leave a copy of the Book of Mormon with all of my friends and, and I'd always have one on a plane or whatever it may be, because that, that, um, that power that came through that book was so influential in my life and has been to this day. And now I'm trying to challenge my children to do the same thing and to come to know for themselves that it's true. And and at the age of 16, as I, as I prayed about that, I had a pretty incredible experience that um, I'm able to now share with my children and, and share in my current church calling and whatever calling I'm in with my testimony to know that I've, uh, I've come to know that that book is true. And because of that, uh, other, other testimonies that follow that, that have helped me in life. But I just, it, you know, I, I can't get enough of it. And um, it's something I, I hope to just be able to continue to share throughout my life because it's blessed my life in, in such an incredible way. But my, my parents just, they, they established an awesome foundation centered on Jesus Christ and, and taught me that when I do open that book, that I'm holding tight to that iron rod, the word of God, which is my savior. And um, so I was able to go on a mission with my parents. You can stop me whenever you want and tell me, Very Hey, good. keep going. <laughs> My mom, I remember, you know, being six of seven children growing up, she would always, I, I remember her asking us, pray that we'll get to go on a mission together as a family. And uh, I didn't know what that meant, but I remember it as, as a young child praying often like, Hey, heavenly father, I, my mom would love to go on a mission as a family, help us to have that opportunity. 
And um, when I was 16 years old, I remember getting a, a call from church headquarters. My parents were gone, but we were in South Bend, Indiana, and they said Elder Packer was going to be in the Chicago Temple that that Sunday and wanted to meet with my parents. And so I told my dad, hey, Elder Packer's office just called. They want to meet with you. And they were they were a little shocked and surprised. And uh, they went to the Chicago Temple that Sunday. Me and my brother went to church there in South Bend. And somebody asked where my parents were. And I said, they're at the Chicago Temple meeting with one of the apostles. And and I knew right away, I probably shouldn't have said that. They're like, what is going on? <laughs> and, uh, but it, it was funny. They came home and they, uh, they were just in tears and they said, our, our family's going to be called on a mission. And so they accepted the call, obviously. And a few months later, we got the mission call and it was to Washington, DC, where I had mentioned they had met. So it kind of just full circle back um, to where their journey all began. And um, my mom uses DC as a slogan for destination celestial. And so um, that's kind of been a thing in our family. But um, and then I, you know, I served there with them for two years and the, I was able to go on my mission a little early because I was there on the mission. The church let me go a bit early and, and right out of high school, I was I was off and, and, and going and I went to Mexico and, and had an incredible experience there. But again, it. Um, you know, just being able to testify of Jesus Christ and using the Book of Mormon to do so has been an incredible experience for me in my life, but in the lives of those that I've been able to come in contact with that God's allowed me to, to share the, my story with. So, Wow. Man, that's so cool. I don't know if mm-hmm. I've ever heard a, a story about the Book of Mormon that, that that's that cool and has that, I don't know. That's really incredible. And were they called to be, were your parents like mission presidents? Like My dad that, was, yeah, was he was the on? mission president of the DC North mission. Yeah. Okay. They had about 200 missionaries there with, I think five or six languages and the DC temple was in the mission and the, all the district of Columbia and um, incredible parents and uh, just always, always serving wherever they needed to um, not seeking that out, but just willing to go when, when asked and, and so, yeah, I, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to go on my own mission, but I was, like I told you, growing up, I had that, I had anxiety pretty bad, severe separation anxiety. So I was kind of the kid that, um, that people would say he's only going if his mom's allowed to go with him. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, they didn't know me super well if they thought that because you know the mission focus was a a different focus and so i was able to go do what i was supposed to do even having that separation anxiety because i knew what i knew but i remember getting my own call and um you know it was awesome to be called to mexico but there was one thing that stood out and i'm i'm in a staking men's presidency right now and we teach mission prep and i share this with them in mission prep all the time but when i open up the call you know, it was exciting to see Mexico, uh, but there was a moment that just hit me with with incredible impact. And it was when it stated that you have been recommended as one worthy to represent Lord Jesus Christ as a minister of his restored gospel. And at that moment, I thought I could be called anywhere. It doesn't matter. But to, to hear those words and to know that I prepared for this moment and I can now go and uh, and represent the Lord was the greatest, uh, greatest feeling that I had experienced to that point in my life. Um, and just what an incredible opportunity for young members of our church to go out and to have that same opportunity to represent the Lord, doing what he himself would say, do and be if he was here. And, um, 
And so I just encourage everyone to, to prepare themselves for a mission and to, to go out and do it knowing that they are standing in his place. Man. Yeah, my mission was definitely a huge impactful thing for me too. And that's got to be a cool, a cool calling to be able to like teach mission prep, like get with these, these guys that are preparing, these girls that are preparing, like help them out. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. And there's, there are a lot of young women coming to mission prep right now. And I know a lot of young women going out on missions and I've got daughters that are considering it, but uh, yeah, but uh, for these young men, especially, man, I just, nothing greater for them to go and and to do in their life at that point to really establish a foundation for the rest of their lives. Awesome. So now I really wanted to hear also because I'm kind of a, a funny guy. I just, I just like to hear about people's uh, like dating and marriage like stories. So how did you meet your wife and how did that all happen? Awesome. Um, yeah, you. I could literally do a, a podcast about each of these topics with you and talk for a couple yeah. hours. So I'm trying to get it, the <laughs> highlights in. Um, my wife, Jen, is incredible. Um, but we I came home from my mission. I started working for my brother. He had a pharmaceutical business and I was working in his warehouse, shipping, shipping product out, all the orders and everything. He was a singles ward bishop at the time, and his first counselor was is now my father-in-law. Um, and so he sent his daughter down to get a job. She just graduated from high school just, um, you know, a couple months prior. And um, we started shipping product together in the warehouse, uh, found out she was not available. She's not on the market. And uh <laughs> Uh, but one thing that I learned from my mission is to be persistent. And when there's a, a good thing, um, you know, you can, you can be patient and wait, but you can also go out and get, uh, <laughs> go out and get, get things in life, you know? So yeah. I, I approached her one day and said, Hey, I know uh, you're not available, but one of the guys here in the warehouse would like to ask you out on a date. And would that be possible? And she said, um, she said, actually, I don't think I can. And so I said, okay, well, I'll let him know he's going to be disappointed. Um, <laughs> and that was that. But that night, her dad called my brother and said, she's pretty sure he's talking about himself, and if, <laughs> which obviously I was. And she said, uh, he said, tell him to just be patient. She would love to. Um, and so I was a little bit patient, but just within about a week or two, she said, Hey, we can't, I can't go on a date with you. And I was like, well, I wasn't the one asking. And, uh, <laughs> she said, uh, -huh, sure. And she said, I'm actually going to start going to an Institute class, um, and up at the U and would love for you to go with me. If, if you want to go, um, it's not a date. We're just going to an Institute together. So I said, that sounds great. So on Tuesday night, I picked her up, but I went to the door. I opened up the car door and uh, we went to Institute. And then on the way home, we were driving down fourth uh, south or fourth north. And uh, I think it's fourth south in Salt Lake City. And there's a Chili's just coming down from the hill. And I said, I don't know about you, but I've got to get some food. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to buy you dinner if you want it. But I know this isn't a date. So uh, if not, you can just watch me eat. And uh, we went in and I, I bought her dinner and we ate molten lava cake and kind of fell in love over that. And we did that for about five or six weeks. Every Tuesday night, I would pick her up. And um, finally, she came to me and she's like, hey, I, I want to I go on a date with you. And I was like, I've been dating you for like five or six weeks. You just haven't, <laughs> you haven't known it. And uh, so we went out uh, on our official date um, uh, about 
you know, four or five weeks, probably five or six weeks later. And, um, had an awesome day and it was just, we were together every day after that, you know, just best friends and, uh, didn't want to be apart. And so it came time for, um, you know, to decide, Hey, this is getting serious after a couple months, you know, we were like, Hey, we should probably decide if this is, if we're going to continue this. And we both felt really good about it, prayed about it, fasted. And, um, we, uh, on new year's Eve of that year, right after having gotten back from my mission, I, I proposed to her. Um, I wrote a song, played it, played it on my guitar, sang her a song at a, at a cabin we were at where I put out, you know, rose petals and had a dinner, a candlelight dinner. And, and, um, we did that. And then I read her Cinderella and I, um, opened up a, she, I gave her a gift. She opened it up. It was a pair of glass slippers, uh, very cheap glass slippers that I, uh, I couldn't afford uh, the, a real glass slipper at the time, but sure. the closest thing to a glass slipper I could find. And so I knelt down to, uh, to see if it fit and it was a perfect fit. And I, while down on my, my knee, I asked her to marry me and, and uh, the rest is history. We got married seven months to the day after my mission and dated for two months. Well, if you include the, the, the Institute, it was about three and a half months, but officially dated for two months and engaged for two months. And then we were married and that, that was just over 19 years ago. Um, she was 18 years old. I left on my mission when I was 18. So I was just, I, I think I just barely turned 21. We were young. And, um, and then we started our family, um, pretty soon after that, about a year after, um, she was pregnant with our first child and, and we've got a 17 year old daughter right now. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been an incredible journey. Um, and, uh, you know, so many of the things that transpired prior to my mission on my mission just prepared me, um, for marriage and what would come next. And, you know, those at mountain ops, when an employee starts their first week, I give them a pair of shoes to, to start their journey. And I talked to him about the, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one single step, but the destination of that journey is completely determined by the direction of that step. And so I talked, I show them some shoes that I've worn in life. I have a little pair of cowboy boots I wore as a kid. I show my soccer shoes from playing sports. I, I show my mission shoes and the importance of that team and, and that I played a part of. And then I show my wife's glass slipper shoes. And then I show our little kids shoes and how we've started this process of adding shoes to the mix. But I, I share that the choices in life, the choices we make in the shoes we wear today will determine the shoes we wear tomorrow, the blessings and the opportunities, responsibilities that come about. And the greatest shoes in my life are the shoes of my wife. And they're a part of my life because of the choices that I made leading up to, to finding her. Um, and so I'm so grateful that that path led me to her. Uh, we were married in the Bountiful Temple in June, or not June, her birthday's in June. It's coming up in a couple of weeks, but March 14th, um, 2003. So it's, it's been an awesome journey. So. Wow, man, that's a pretty good story. That's a pretty killer story. <laughs> there, a there's a lot, guy. To, a lot more to go to it, but I, I can't, <laughs> I could spend days, but she's, yeah, she's the best part of me. And, and just has been incredible, especially through, you know, the business failures that we've been through and the ups and downs of life. It, it's, it's hard to do that. I, I would imagine it'd be incredibly hard to do that without a supportive spouse um, that's in your mm -hmm. corner, kind of pushing you uh, each step, each step of the way on that journey. So that's what she's been to me for sure. Yeah, man. No, that's sounds like she's a, a great, great person. Sounds yeah. like she's the one. So um, <laughs> I'm, 
curious. I there's so many things like wow, like there this one could go really long, and I don't want to push it. I don't want to take too much of your time. So let's talk really quick about. I I'm curious about those business failures in the past that you mentioned, and kind of how you started Mountain Ops. Like how how has this come about? Okay. Yeah, as I mentioned to you, I was we, you know, me and my wife met working for my brother, and we got married while working there, and then we worked there for a period of time together after we were married, and then, you know, we needed a little time apart during the day, so she went and got another job, and I stayed there and and uh, started into their sales department, and um, actually did really well for a few years there, to where we were able to build up enough savings to to go out and um, through our commission to go out and and start my own business. And in 2007, uh, we did that. We decided to, to leave that company and, and um, what we had created there to go. And that was my dream was to kind of have my own business and to go after something. And, and so we, we found an opportunity right away. It was a franchise we bought into um, and probably tried to go too big, too quick, about seven franchises, seven locations. And they were all down in Las Vegas and we didn't move there, but I was traveling down and I, hired mission companions and friends go down and my brother to go uh, run each of these, uh, each of these stores for me as, as I kind of over, oversaw things from here, but was kind of traveling back and forth. We invested in a little bit of real estate at the time as well. And it almost, it, it basically felt like the moment we wrote the check for those opportunities, everything financially just began to crumble around us. Um, obviously the economy, the economy in, uh, in 2008 hit hard for everyone. Uh, but in 2007, when we invested in those franchises, there was there were some things that happened in, on the franchise level that just that left us um, having to close down the stores that we had bought ju- just three months after opening them. And my mm-hmm. wife and I had signed personal guarantees on each of those stores. They, you know, the franchise fees were pretty hefty, and we had put cash into this, and now we were on the hook for uh, leases on these store locations, these brick and mortar locations where we couldn't even run the business out of anymore. And um, so we were in a pretty difficult situation, you know, um, stopped paying our mortgage, stopped paying for our, our, our cars and all sorts of stuff that we just couldn't pay anymore. And um, kept trying to keep that afloat and get it to recover. And, and uh, just things were not, not going as planned. And um, there would have been many times where we could have just said, Hey, we're going to throw in the towel and it's going to be done. And we're, we're, we're through. Um, but for whatever reason, we just kept feeling inspired to keep moving forward. And there was miracle after miracle after miracle. It was incredible to watch the Lord's hand through that, providing a little bit through an opportunity here. And then when it didn't work out, providing a little bit through an opportunity here uh, and there. And they were just transactional opportunities. Nothing I could really get my heart um, you know, devoted to and my mind wrapped around is like what I wanted to commit myself to. And I'm a very passionate, you know, mission-driven individual. And so that's what I was uh, looking for. And at the beginning of 2010, um, so a few years after, and we were just, you know, drowning in debt. Uh, literally, there, there was a song that used to play on the radio and, and it says, um, head underwater and they tell you to breathe easy for a while. And, you know, people would always tell me, hey, it's going to work out, you know, this and that. But I'd find myself on a curb every once in a while just by myself wondering how I was going to provide, uh, you know, my responsibility as a father is to provi- provide, preside, protect. 
And I literally felt like I was failing in most of those regards. Didn't want a lot of people to know, so I wasn't seeking help. Um, and we were just trying to find little opportunities here and there. My wife started a few little businesses just to, to provide a, a bit where it was really anything that we had was going towards pretty much buying uh, some food for the family, you know, and and oftentimes the cupboard was empty. And so we found ourselves in a in a really hard situation um, where we weren't starving, but we were hungry. We had support of family around us. But like I said, my ego is a little bit too, too big to go out and say, hey, this is just not working and I need help. And I didn't also want to hear, hey, just go get a job then, because I had this dream and this passion to, to figure out what it was I was supposed to do on my, not on my own, but creating something, you know? And uh, so 2010, I actually read a book and it's right here. It's called No More Heart Disease. And it talks about the no, NO is nitric oxide and uh, ingredients that you can use to help produce nitric oxide in your body. And I have a history of heart diseases in my family. My two, my, both my grandfathers, one died of a heart attack, the other one of a stroke. My father had just had a few stints put in his heart to increase his blood flow. They didn't know how he didn't have a heart attack. And they, when they put the stints in, they told them in five years, you'll have open heart surgery. It's just your heart is that bad. And after I read this book, I thought, hey, there's something, if I can figure out a way to create a product kind of fashioned out of the, uh, the materials that this book talks about, the ingredients and such, maybe this could help my dad. Maybe I'd be onto something that I could uh, really sink my teeth into. And so I did that and I met with a chemist, showed him what I was talking about. And he created a formula that was better than what I had imagined originally. And we put my dad on it. And within three days, he felt the fe the feeling in his fingers and toes for the first time in 10 years. And um, so we knew we were on to something. And I, so I, I thought, okay, I can really get behind this. I don't have any money though. So I went to my brothers, asked them for a small, um, a, a small amount of money to buy the first 350 bottles. And we launched that on online and we, our first, um, our first order came from a chiropractor. And so I started selling product through chiropractor. I called that chiropractor trying to pretend like I wasn't super excited, like this happened on a regular basis, but it was my first order. And I found out why he needed it, what his customers used it for. And instead of trying to be an online sensation, I decided to work through the chiropractic community and to build out um, a, a business selling that product to them. And that business has been in business now for 12 years um, and it's doing well. But about five years into it, um, well, four years into it, I needed some help in marketing and branding and, and such. And so I reached out to a firm that did a lot of marketing and branding, and they were doing mostly in the hunting and outdoor industry. And um, through the conversations with them, we found there was an opportunity for supplements like mine that ha had a benefit to the heart and cardiovascular system for a prolonged period of time. Um, uh, to be used in hunting and to be used on the mountain when people were um, training for their hunts. And um, that's when the, the origination of, of Mountain Ops came to be. We took the products that I had created for my father and for others, you know, heart health and, and even some pre-workouts and proteins and that type of thing. And we rebranded them and we went out to a, a new audience, which was a very passionate audience, uh, the hunting community. There was a big hunter athlete movement at the time. Um, and we were kind of the first to market with a product like this to lead that charge with brands like Under Armour and Yeti and, and a few others that we were able to partner with and get in front of this movement. And we became the reliable and trusted source for the outdoor enthusiasts to help improve their lives and, and to give them the energy and stamina on the mountain. But um, for many of them, it was to help them lose weight or to get into the condition they needed to be in to go out and succeed. Uh, in the pursuits they were going after in life. And so that's how we started the, the company. But 
it, you know, for me, one of my big passions uh, goes back to those struggles, those, those days where we were really fighting to, to feed our, our kids that was on the mind of me and my wife all the time. And there's a really touching video that a company called Sturry did about our story. And, um, and it shows the, the, you know, the heartache that we went through not being able to provide, um, the daily, uh, food for our, for our children, the daily nutrition. And now I was in the nutrition industry and I was not even just in the nutrition industry. I was in an industry within nutrition where we go out on the mountain to find food, you know? And so this idea of hunger really started to, to resonate prior to that. My wife and I, I love your logo. Uh, I, I mentioned that to you earlier because it's got a fish and a loaf of, of bread, right? And when me and my wife were going through these difficult uh, situations, sorry to jump around a bit, but when we were going through these struggles, um, the stories of Christ, just the, the miracles and everything, we needed miracles in our life. And so we read them all the time. And we were seeing the miracles in our life. But one of them that just stood out to us all the time was him uh, um, multiplying the loaves and the fishes to feed the thousands. And we decided that as soon as we had a few loaves and fishes, um, not when we had a boat full of fishes and loaves, but as soon as we just had a few loaves and a few fishes, we would do everything we could to multiply them uh, to feed the hungry. Uh, because we had been in that situation. When you go through things in life and you gain added perspective, you, you receive eyes to see the need uh, because you've been the one that had the need. And that's what's so powerful about our Savior is he, he understands the need. He's been through it. And so when we're given opportunities in life to go through difficult things, we, give, we, we gain some additional strength. If we choose to see those, uh, those opportunities as strengths, and the, 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 the eyes to see the need, the heart to, to understand and to feel the need of others is, is super powerful. And so um, once we could, we decided, hey, with every order that comes to our website, we're a nutrition company providing supplementing nutrition. We go out on the mountain, we provide food. We're going to tie food into what we do, and we're going to call it Operation Conquer Hunger. And so what we do is with every order that comes through our website, we provide a meal to a child in need. And it's a beautiful system because... It's people buying products that benefit their life, but at the same time, we take a portion of that and we 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 put it towards buying food for these kids in need. And it started in Malawi, Africa, and then we decided, hey, you know what? We were struggling so bad here in our own community. What's the need here? And we found that even in Davis County, Utah, it's one of four kids every Friday go home um, from school to an empty pantry for the weekend. Um, some areas of Utah are, are half or they're 75%. And it's that way throughout the, the country. And um, so we have now donated well over 3.5 million meals in the last five years or so um, to kids in need. And we brought that, we still donate a bit to Malawi, Africa. We donate a little bit through Feeding America to hit the need of the country, but we've really focused our efforts right here in our backyard. Uh, where the need is more prevalent than sometimes we, uh, we often see, whether it's through a financial setback like my family went through or just kind of the struggle that some families seem to always be in the cycle of. Um, uh, and there's, there's a tremendous need. And during COVID in 2020, um, when that hit, we were able to provide all the meals to Davis County School District through the summer and everything when they didn't, we weren't able to assemble to pack these meals, but we had produced enough uh, we provide pantry packs. I'll show you what it looks like right here, um, right here. And it's got like five mils in it with a little card that goes in it um, for each of these kids. So when they go into the principal's office on Fridays, 
the pack is put in their backpack very discreetly so they can walk out without being embarrassed that they needed this food. And my family was assisted in many ways like this when we were going through it. So we understand. And, and it's incredible to be on the other end now uh, helping kids uh, similar to what we were going through. But, but it says Operation Conquer Hunger on one side. And then on the other side, it says you're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think, loved more than you know you were made to conquer. And what we hope to inspire in this, we all know what it's like at times to, to go without food. If you've ever fasted, you know, you've, you've gone without food and um, it's kind of the only thing you can focus on is getting rid of that distraction. And until that distraction's gone, your mind doesn't really think about anything else. So thinking of these children who go to school hungry on a daily basis and how that impacts their ability to focus in school, to get good grades, to socialize well, um, and to even pay attention, we're really, you know, on top of feeling a belly, we're inspiring some hope and confidence in these children that there's somebody looking out for them, somebody cares, and that they can do and accomplish much in life uh, if we just help remove some of those basic uh, distract those distractions that, uh, you know, are very basic needs that these kids have. So that's, uh, you know, I was recently interviewed for an, a business award and they asked what's the proudest accomplishment um, uh, thus far in business. And, and by far, it's being a part of assembling uh, an incredible team of individuals that now is impacting the world in a way that uh, I could have never imagined by multiplying the loaves and the fishes that we've been given, the small resources that were once small that have now become more plentiful uh, because we've, we've put to action those, um, those principles that we've learned in life to help those in need. Well, I... I think it's incredible that you've been able to go from go from where you were to where you are now and help people who are in the same situation that you were in, right? Because there's a much greater level of meaning to that than to just helping, like helping people in general has meaning to it, but helping yeah. people when you know how they feel has real, real power in there. So yeah, that's incredible. And, and I, and I think we all have experiences in life that allow us to have that same opportunity. If we choose to see it, you know, we've just got to pay attention. And, you know, I was always told in, in uh, my growing up to liken the scriptures unto myself. And I, I've always tried to liken experiences in life to a greater perspective, an eternal perspective. And how, what am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to take from it? And how do I implement it more fully? Um, to kind of align myself with God and, and what he would need me to do um, while I'm on this earth. Incredible. Thanks, Trevor. Well, one more question. One last question. I like to wrap up every interview I do with this question is what advice would you give to a young adult in the church today? Based on your experience, your life, what do you think is um with whatever needs that young adults have, what advice would you give? Um, yeah, a lot, lots of things come to mind, but, um, you know, as I kind of started this talking about my love for the, the scriptures, um, there's a power in those. Sometimes we refer to this, you know, the primary answers, go to church, say your prayers, read your scriptures. Um, they're those to me are the most sacred answers and the most basic of, of principles that if we live by, 
um, a foundation can be firmly planted upon our Savior Jesus Christ. He He's the one who helps us conquer in life. Mountain Ops, our 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 uh, slogan is to conquer more. There is no conquering more without our Savior Jesus Christ. But for me, opening up those scriptures every day, they're my letters from home. And uh, when I was off on my mission and I was homesick and I was away, uh, receiving letters from my family was what like okay, this is so good to hear from them. But I could open up those scriptures every single day and hear from a father who loves me, who's real. And I think coming to know that God is real in your life is the foundation, the most important thing that he, you are his child and that he has a plan for you. And that this is not just stuff we talk about, but that he is, he is real. And you can find out that he's real um, through his son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy ghost. And so uh, finding a relationship and a connection. Um, We have a program here at Mountain Ops called connect and conquer, but ultimately the connection that we need most is through our savior, Jesus Christ. And through that connection, we conquer in life. For me personally, uh, obviously prayer daily, um, but through opening up those scriptures and and reading from those letters from home and feeling connected to my Savior, feeling his power has been the ultimate way for me to navigate the obstacles of life and to understand and to feel the spirit more fully in my life by just connecting to him and clinging to him, holding fast to him in every way and not being ashamed to do so. The the world's going to confuse you. There's a lot uh, bidding for our time and our attention. Uh, but I would hope and pray that each of us give the appropriate time and attention to the relationship that matters most, and that is with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. I think that's a good a good spot to, or you kind of came full circle, right? So I like that, that time and attention thing, right, that you had talked about in your family. And yeah. so you can apply that equally to our relationship with our Savior. We need awesome. to give him him the time and attention he deserves too. So, okay, well, we'll end there. Thanks, Trevor. Perfect. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening to Faith, Hope, and Prosperity, hosted by Austin Green. Find and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.